Okay, we're in Lesson 24. We're going to be looking again at this third section of Proverbs, focusing on individual Proverbs that are exalting righteous living. Now, let me again, when we looked at the first nine chapters, remember the Proverbs there were not individual, like as in one verse. They were sections, thoughts, complete thoughts. Then when we got through chapter 9, we got into chapter 10, up to chapter 15, and we saw the second section, we, we then went from complete thoughts, as in paragraphs, to individual Proverbs. Now, in those Proverbs, in the second section, we were contrasting righteous living with wicked living. Now we're in the third section of individual Proverbs, that is, verse Proverbs, or two-verse two Proverbs, that are conveying, again, thoughts concerning what righteous living are. Now, and again, let me point out to you, when we go through these, these are a collection of Proverbs, so it's not like there's any thought given to how they are placed. Do you understand? Because one moment you might be talking about speech, the next moment you might be talking about wealth, the next moment you might be talking about laziness. Okay? So you see some different, you see some different things there. So, what we're going to do is go through these individual Proverbs again together and glean some thoughts from them, and see what happens. Now look with me, chapter 16, verse 20. He who heeds the word wisely will find good. And whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. So here's the point that uh, Solomon is making. Faithfulness to the Lord brings blessing. Faithfulness to the Lord, faithfulness to God. If you if you listen to what God's trying to tell you as you read His Word, as 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 you listen to His Word, and as you try to apply that to your life, you're going to find blessing. You're going to find goodness. Let me just stop for a moment. We've got to qualify that word blessing because in our culture today, we usually think in terms of, or if you watch a TV guy, some guy on TV, he's going to tell you that blessing means a fatter wallet. Blessing means more money. That's not what he's talking about. Because it's, you know, all you have to do is just sit back and think for a moment, and you look at the folks who have money, and their lives are falling apart. I mean, just think about folks who are Hollywood rich. And, and I mean, their lives are all out there for, I mean, cause, because of who they are. And I don't know of any one of us that would trade for their lives, would we? Oh, you might say, oh, I'll trade for their money. Well, you know, there's some things attached with having their money. So, what we see here is, is that faithfulness to God, if you live the life that God wants you to live, faithful to Him, doing what He wants you to do, it's going to bring blessing in your life. Now, I'm not going to define that word blessing to you. I'm not, it's, it's, it's going to be blessing in many different ways. But I, I know one thing, it's not going to be you becoming a millionaire. You becoming a millionaire. Now, again, remember I told you we're going to get to different thoughts here. Now, look at verse 21. What we see in verse 21 now is the issue of speech. The wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. Here's what he's saying. Wise speech will build a reputation for competence and enhance influence. If you are wise... And how you use your mouth, how you use your tongue, if you are wise in the speech that comes out of you, that will give you a good reputation and 
it will be, you'll have some influence with that. And notice how he describes it here. The sweetness of lips increases learning. The sweetness, it's talking about the manner of speech. The manner of speech will increase learning with people. You will influence people based upon the way that you talk to people. In fact, you know, I, many of you know I went down to Virginia this week for a course, and it was a course on church. And we were looking at one of the things we discussed was three different models of pastors, of preachers. There is, the one model is the manipulative monologue model. That's the uh, salesman preacher. And one of the things we found out about him was is that 75% of the people who are attracted to the church because of him don't stay. They don't stay. What they found is is that 85% of the people who are attracted to a non-manipulative dialogue preacher, which is a communicator, stick with the church. Why? Because people gravitate towards how you talk to them. They understand how you talk to them. So how many of you can think in your mind of a manipulative preacher? What kind of what kind of preacher is that? Tom, you once told me that's a prancing preacher, is that what you called it? Okay. Okay. Yeah. A hellfire prancing preacher. And you know, they may get a response, but they don't usually stick. You understand? Because why are they responding? When you have that kind of pastor He's a salesman type of guy. Why doesn't that influence people? Why do you think that doesn't influence people? Okay, where's it, it gets on your, under your skin after? It might be okay for okay. Some people would not. It's not even okay the first time. But what is it about that kind of preacher or that kind of person communicating that just wears on you? Okay, it's not real. You know, in fact, I almost think I almost liken it to a Kirby salesman. I mean, you know what, Kirby, you know, they come and they're there and, and you're at the point where you'll just buy it to what? Okay? And, and sometimes, and, and that's a lot of reasons why folks respond to a manipulative type pastor is that they, well, for instance, when I, you know, I, many of you know the story that when I was a boy, I went on a bus to a church. And, and this is long before I ever became a Christian. This is like eight years before I became a believer. And when I really got saved and we started going to church, they sang, Just As I Am, the hymn. Now, I remember back when I was a bus kid, I thought that had 15 verses. And then it only has, when you look at the hymnal, it only has, I think, three or four. But I didn't know any better. I thought, this must be, who in the world wrote that song? That's the longest song ever. You know, 15 verses. Why were they doing 15 verses? Yeah, manipulation. That doesn't... See, here's what I want you to understand. Let's, let's bring, bring it back to the proverb we're talking about. Wise speech builds a reputation and increases influence. It's the sweetness of lips that brings about learning. The sweetness of lips that brings about learning. Not harshness. Okay, let's talk about prospect in life now. Look at verse 22. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. So let's look here. Prospect in life is determined by wisdom. Your prospect in life is determined by the amount of wisdom you have. And remember, this is the whole point of Proverbs and what we've been looking at, especially when we looked at chapters 1 to 9, is that Solomon is encouraging all of us to what? Seek wisdom. Gain wisdom. And over and over he makes the same point that when you have wisdom, 
it's going to affect your life in a positive way. It's going to affect your life in a positive way. Rather than, and the contrast to that has always been foolishness, rather than living foolishly, or as a fool who just responds or reacts or does what he wants to do, if you live by wisdom, it's going to benefit you, your prospect for life. Again, let look at verse 23 and 24. We're going to get back to the issue of speech. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Okay, so that's notice, first of all, wise speech. Wisdom ensures wise speech. Wisdom ensures wise speech. Do you remember the words of Jesus? Out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. What you see, when you listen to somebody and you listen to how they're talking, if they're talking foolishly, if they're just, you know, if they're boastful and arrogant, if it just comes out of them, what you see there is, is that is a revelation of what is on the inside of them. Because notice what he says. The heart of a wise person teaches his lips and adds learning to his lips. What? Your heart. Now, again, we're not talking about that cardiopulmonary uh, valve there that's pumping all the blood through there. In the, in the Old Testament, your heart was the essence of who you were. The essence of who you are really is what is guiding your mouth. So, look at verse 24 now, the issue of beneficial speech. Pleasant words are comforting and encouraging. Now, remember what I told you. Words are not meaningless. When you speak, it's not meaningless. Words are not meaningless. So when you speak, you are either communicating in a way that is going to be detrimental or in a way that's going to be encouraging. Does everybody understand me? Parents, do you understand me? This is what I have to learn all the time. When I communicate to my children, how I communicate to them, if they like push the, the you know, they push it beyond the extreme with me, and they do do that, don't they? How you respond can have an effect on them. Solomon, and his point here is, is that pleasant words are comforting and encouraging. Not just with your children. If I'm, if I'm always yelling at you, Bruce, about, every time I talk to you, I'm putting you down, yelling at you. Every word that comes out of me berates you. How much longer are you going to hang around here? Yeah, you're going to be out of here, aren't you? Why? Because you don't need that. You understand? You don't need that. Notice, have you noticed that with people who are like that with you, that are tearing you down verbally all the time, have you noticed that those are the people you just don't want to hang around with? You ever notice that? In fact, if you were to walk in Walmart and see them coming, you're hoping they didn't see you yet so you could just tear down the next aisle and get away from them. Isn't that true? Why? What is it about them? What is it about their speech? Yeah, it just saps the energy out. Sucks it right. I call them joy suckers. They just suck it right out of you. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean. They call you on the phone. You, boy, isn't technology wonderful? Just think about 10 years ago when they did, well, 20 years ago when they didn't have call display. And you were doomed when you answered the phone and there they were. Now you see, oh, I don't want to talk to them. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? 
Why? Because people, the way they talk, what? It affects you. But have you noticed that when you've got somebody who's encouraging, every time you're with them, they lift you up. They say, how are you doing? Oh, you're having a bad day? I'll pray for you. And they're just always encouraging when they talk to you. What do you do? When you come to church, you just kind of gravitate over to that side of the room hoping they'll talk to you. Why? It brings comfort and encouragement. See, now what's the lesson for you and I in this? Yeah. Now, where's the essence of that? Just back up one verse. Back up one verse. Remember what we said. If you back up one verse, it says that the speaking comes from the essence of what? Your heart. So if you're here and you say, man, well, I wish I was like that, but I'm not like that. You know what? You don't need to change your language. You need to change your heart. Does everybody understand me? Not an issue of cleaning up your language or, or, well, I'm going to make sure that I don't tear anybody's head off today. I'm just going to speak in a nice way. No. You need to change who you are on the inside. Then out of the inside comes who you are, how you speak and stuff. See, those two verses are connected together there. All right, let's go on. Look at the issue of conduct now. Verse 25. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Here's the point. All evil activity that seems successful will only will lead only to destruction. Listen, folks aren't doing what they're doing because they know it's wrong and to heck with that, I'm going to do what I want to do. Although there are some people, but they're a minority. Most folks who are involved in the activities or the things that they're doing think that it's okay because, notice what it says, there is a way that is right unto man. Every man has determined in his own way what they think is the way to live. Is that not true? The problem is, it'll lead to destruction. It'll lead to destruction. If they're just doing their own thing, living their life their own way, it's going to lead to destruction. Now, when we talk about destruction, immediately some of you think, well, it must, you're just talking about hell. No, I'm not talking about hell. Hell is an aspect of destruction. But if you choose a path, because it's your truth and you want to do what your truth says, it can destroy you in other ways. It can destroy you in other ways. So, let me give you an example. We live in a divorce culture today. Does everybody understand that? We live in the age of no-fault divorce. Now, let me just explain that to you. Basically, what that means is, is that you can get divorced for any reason. If it's, a, you know, and the other person doesn't even, in, in the state of Pennsylvania, you, you can say, well, I'm not going to sign the papers. Well, you know, after a certain period, it's going to happen whether you want it to happen or not. And what I have noticed when I have talked to people, that there is a mindset that says, well, we're going to be okay. Our kids are going to be okay. And they are choosing, rather than working it out, they think they're taking an easy way, but almost always, it's always a harder way. Almost always. They think, they know what's right in their mind, but it leads to destruction. But here's the thing, we're not talking about leading to hell. We're talking about ruined lives. We're talking about kids getting messed up. You say, what are you talking about, George? Have you ever talked to a child of a divorced home? Ask them. I'm serious. Hey, you know what? Death, divorce is described as a living death. 
It's a death that happens every day. See, this is what Solomon's trying to tell us. Be wise, live with wisdom about the choices you make with how you choose to live your life. Because what may seem right unto man leads to destruction. Leads to destruction. And so there's many different applications to that one concerning conduct. Look at verse 26. Now we're going to look at the issue of diligence. A person who labors, labors for himself, for his hungry mouth drives him on. Hunger drives people to work diligently. Hunger drives people to work diligently. Hunger drives people to work diligently. The issue is, if you're hungry, you're going to do something about it. And the issue of hunger, if you're facing hunger, you're going to do what you have to do to feed yourself. And so it will drive you to work diligently. Look at verse 27 now. An ungodly man digs up evil, and it is on his on his lips like a burning fire. Now here's again an issue of conduct, but this time we're going to talk about evil conduct, the issue of scoundrels. Scoundrels plan ways to slander people. So notice what it says there. An ungodly man digs up evil. This is the kind of guy who's going around looking for dirt. Do you ever wonder where that term came from, getting the dirt on somebody? Look, there are some people, can I be honest with you, you've got to be very wise about Let me just stop for a moment. I've got to stop and make this comment. Even in our church, even in church, you've got to be very wise about who you share your stuff with. I'm going to be honest with you. You've got to be very wise. Because there are people, because remember, we're all sinners, and we're sinners saved by grace, but we're sinners, and there are some people who just have a tendency, they're like pigs. You put a pig in a pen, is he going to stay clean? Where is he going to go wallow in? He's going to find an nearest mud puddle and what? Roll around in it? Here's the thing. There are people who seek to dig up evil. They will look and, oh, so, Mike, what was that you know about Bruce's background? You know? You're right, I don't. But, uh, you know, it's one thing if Bruce told me one-on-one, but Bruce needs to be wise in telling me because, first of all, he may not know me well enough. And I may have a problem. Ever heard of the term? I was a, we were down at Carnegie, uh, Carnegie Mellon Center. We were on the submarine, Science Center. We were on the submarine, and there was a poster there from World War II, and it said, someone spoke. And it showed a hand coming out of the water with a ship sinking in the back. And that's from that whole World War II, loose lips sink ships. Well, some of you want your ships sunk? Except your ship is your life. Be careful who you speak to. Be careful who you speak to. Because there are people, and the Bible describes them as scoundrels, who will dig up, what? Evil. And it, it, notice, and it is on his lips like a burning fire. Now, what do you think that describes? What do you, if it's on his lips like a burning fire? Yeah, he's got to get it off. Do you understand? Well, Gary, you're just not going to really believe what I found out about old Bruce over here. And you know what? He told me to. 
He didn't want me to rely on Mike. He wanted to tell me himself. You notice? You notice that? Why do you think Jesus says this? That we will be held accountable for every idle word. You understand? And so the Bible describes them as scoundrels. Scoundrels plan ways to slander people. Scoundrels plan ways to slander people. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I need to make this point. As with any sin, let's take the sin of gossip for a moment. It's like alcoholism. If the person doesn't recognize it, they're not going to overcome it. The only way you're going to deal with that sin or any sin, if somebody has a habit of sin, that's not just talking about gossip, but if you have a habit of sin in your life, it's just like alcoholism. You've got to recognize you've got a problem and you've got to seek help. Period. Does everybody understand me? Because we can deceive ourselves and think, well, I'm doing okay because I'm really just sharing prayer requests. Jerry, you know I'm just sharing a prayer request about Bruce. And what we do is we pray him in the back. All right, let's go on. We're going to talk about speech again. Here, verse 28, very clear verse. This is why we have to, a perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. Here's the thing. Slanderers and gossips cause divisions among people. Slanderers and gossips will cause divisions among people. They're not seeking to unify people. They're seeking to divide people. And so when they share stuff, have you ever noticed it's never something, oh, i got some wonderful news about Bruce. Listen, it's always, you're not going to believe the garbage I heard today about Bruce. It's always juicy, isn't it? It's always some juicy pit of t- tidbit of something. And, and, and look, how many of you remember in school or whatever, when, you know, you have a group of people here and I tell you, whisper, you and you're supposed to whisper. And when we get down there, you know, I may have said, Jimmy did this and, down at the end, Jimmy drove a big truck and whatever. I mean, somebody added to it. And the whole point is, is that the more more ears, the greater the distortion. The greater the distortion. So, the point is, is that they will cause divisions among people. Look now at verse 29, the issue of associations. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. Here's the point. Violent people influence others towards violence. This is, let's just think for a moment. You could take a person and he could be very gentle. He could be very mild-mannered. But you put him in a work situation where he is working with belligerent people who are always just in the face, not necessarily violent with actions, violent tempered or whatever. And that will affect that person that I told you about. In fact, they will become like who? They'll become like the person they're hanging around with. Some of you know that. If you've been in a stressful work situation and your wife's wondering what in the world's going on and you and he's like, I, you just seem so angry all the time. You just seem so angry. Maybe you need to trace it back to who they're hanging around with. That's what Solomon's saying here. Maybe you need to trace it back to who they're hanging around with, who they're working with, because that can affect you. People will affect you. That's the whole point of the verse we're talking about here. Who you hang out with will affect your demeanor. It'll affect who you are. There's truth to it. There's truth to it. 
Okay, look at issue now character traits. Verse 30. He winks his eye to devise perverse things, and he purses his lips to bring about evil. Here's the point. The actions of the wicked betray their plans. You know what I'm talking about. Like if I go over here and say, Hey, uh, hey Tom, we're going to have a really good time. I'm looking over at Mike and I'm winking at him. Like, yeah, yeah, we sure are with Tom coming along. Yep, you know, you know, winking over there. If Tom can read body language, what can he know about me? Am I being sincere? I'm being a jerk. Right? You see what I'm saying? That's the whole point. The actions of the wicked betray their plans. See, here's the thing. There is something to be said about human interaction. You can deceive somebody over the phone. But one-on-one with people, there's another dimension to communication that is not included in the phone, and that is what? Or even typing. Yeah, you said you can deceive people with typing. Yes. They're texting. They're, they're, you know, they're doing the thumb thing. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because there is a, another element to communication, which is body language. And that doesn't come through a telephone. That doesn't come through email. That doesn't come through text messaging. That only comes through human interaction and watching how people act. Watching the sweat beat up on their head. So what's going on there? Why are they nervous? You know? Watching them shuffle their feet. You know, do things like that. That Body language communicates things. You know? Body language communicates things. Now, look at verse 31 now, the issue of rewards. The silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. This is my verse here. Or he's smiling over there. But my crown's falling out, isn't it? Okay, all right. Here's the point. Righteousness is rewarded with longevity. And, and this, this is not some profound promise or anything. This is just simply saying, if you live your life in a right way, it's not guaranteed that you're going to have a long life, because nobody knows how long we're going to live, but it guarantees you're not going to shortchange your life. You know, if you abuse your life by the lifestyle that you choose, you're going to shorten your life. I think all of us here are old enough to recognize that, right? That certain behaviors will shorten your life, period. The doctor, surgeon general comes on and tells you that. There are certain behaviors. This is the point that Solomon is making. If you're doing what's right, you're going to have a long life. But if you do what's wrong, you're going to shorten your life. You're going to shorten your life. Look at verse 32 now, the issue of patience. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Patience, then, is preferable to physical power. That, you know, that'll, that'll reveal the issue. Because remember, you might be facing a situation and as a couple or whatever, and one of you is the epitome of patience. And you just want to say, okay, let's just wait this out. The other one says, we got to do something. And they got to do what they got to do. And the other one says, let's just kind of lay back a little bit. Let's see how this rides out. And the other one says, look, the more we wait, 
the bigger it's going to become. What's he saying here? Patience is preferable. Patience is preferable. And it doesn't have to be marriage relationships. It can be anything. It can be committees. The whole point is, is that he's saying here, having a cool head is better than having a, 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 an emotional reactionary attitude. All right, now look at the issue of the sovereignty of God. Now, in fact, I do think, maybe, you know, I said that there isn't any rhyme or reason for how these are placed, but I think there is because the Holy Spirit is the one who placed them. Because notice, the very next verse, after the issue of preferring patience over physical power, he talks about the sovereignty of God. Look at what he says here in verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. Here's what he's saying. The Lord, the Lord controls the decisions that are submitted to him. See, it's the issue of sovereignty. See, patience comes in recognizing, look, if you're walking with God, you have somebody who's in control. And you're going to trust and rely on him rather than react. Because our natural tendency is to what? React. Well, we're going to trust in God because of his sovereignty. Look at verse 1, the issue of peace. Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Whoa, listen to that one. Here's what he says. Poverty with peace is better than prosperity with strife. We've talked about this before. It is better for you to just be eating bologna sandwiches and have a perfect home of contentment and love with each other and be at peace with each other in your relationship than to be munching down on T-bone steaks every day and fussing over which steak sauce you want. You know, fussing over and fighting and feuding and carrying on with each other. You know, it's better for you to have a little bit than to have a whole lot with nothing. And again, isn't that what we're seeing played out on our screens? You know, it's amazing to me. Let me just make this side note. There are some Hollywood couples, you'll hear that, you know, you're about some person who'll die and, and they'll say they were married to this person they were married for 30 or some years. And you say, boy, never heard about them or about their marriage or anything. Well, because that doesn't sell papers. Because the more, vast majority of them are what? And, you know, you wonder about that. It's better to have little than to have a whole lot. That's the whole point Solomon's making here. The issue is contentment. The issue is contentment. And listen, I've already shared this with you. Number one, big three reasons. There's three reasons why couples will struggle. So let me just stop for a moment. Three reasons why couples will struggle. One is finances. Two is communication. Three is sexual intimacy. Number one reason for divorce in America today. Anybody want to guess? Money. Why are they having money problems? Lack of contentment with what they have. Influenced by a culture that says you've got to have this, got to have that, got to have this. It's easy to fall into. Got to have a we. You know, gotta, some of you are like, what's a we? It's a video. If you've got kids, they know what a we is. So you do whatever you can to find a we. And it's hard to find. Okay? But you, and, and, and that's just one instance. You say, well, how's that going to get, you know, but if you have one thing after another that you want, and one thing after another, then it builds up, and all of a sudden you realize you've got more bills coming in 
then you have money coming in. Then start, because when you have that kind of financial pressure, then you start having stress. And then you've got to start getting angry. And you can't get angry at the guy at work. can't get angry at the boss, although you might. Who do you take your anger out on? What? The ones you love. The ones nearest to you, your spousal relationship. The stress is just... And it'll cause problems. That's why divorce is such a big issue today. And it goes back to this issue. Poverty with peace is better than prosperity with strife. You understand? Poverty with peace is better than prosperity with strife. Let's go on to the issue of ability. Verse 2, a wife servant will rule over a son who causes shame and will share an inheritance among the brothers. Here's the point. Faithful servants are highly honored are highly honored than disgraceful sons. Faithful servants are highly honored than disgraceful sons. Look at the issue of verse 3 now, the omniscience of God. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Let me just stop you for a moment. Here's my point, and then I'll tell you something. The Lord will examine every thought and every motive. Now, I'm going I'm to put something out here, and I want you to listen to me. I don't care how long you've been married. You don't know that person, that other person's motives. You don't. Now, you may have been with them long enough that you can kind of surmise or you can kind of guess, but they'll always surprise you. I'm going to be honest with you. They, how many of you are still surprised after many years of marriage? You're still, yeah, these are the honest ones. You are still surprised after many years of marriage because the bottom line is, is even though you may think, ladies, you know your husband, husband, you may think you know your wife, there's only one person that knows the motives of the heart. Who's that? God. So uh, quit trying to be God. Quit trying to be God. Because you don't know the motives. Look at the issue now, verse 4 and 5. We're going to look at the issue of speech again. An evildoer gives heed to false lips. A liar listens eagerly to spiteful, to a spiteful tongue. He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will go, will not go unpunished. So here's the thing. Malicious talking. First of all, verse 4. The wicked find destructive speech appealing. Have you noticed that the reason why we have problem with people who gossip is because we got a, the issue isn't gossip, the lips. The issue is their ears. They got, they're just itching, burning to hear something about somebody. They just want to hear something. And then they'll gladly share it. Because in their mind, it must be fair game, you told me. We've had it on the board before, and, I, and it's a great saying. I don't put it up there too often. Once every other year, I'll, I'll put it up there. And, and the saying is this, he who gossips to you will gossip about you. Everybody understand me? Somebody talks to you about the dirt in somebody's life, can I be honest with you, nothing is sacred to them. They will talk about you. Everybody understand me? So this is the point he's making here. The wicked find destructive speech appealing. They just got to hear it. But that, that's my point. That's the point I want you to tell you. The wicked find destructive speech appealing. Here's the thing about mocking. Anyone who mocks the poor holds the Creator in contempt and will be punished. Be careful what you say about poor people. Just be careful about what you say about poor people. I'm just going to be honest with you. 
be very careful. Because God is the one who will deal with that. And then finally, verse 6, the issue of honor. Children's children are the crown of old men. And the glory of children is their father. Okay, here's the point. The crown of older people is their grandchildren. Let me tell you, when I talk to people, and I go around and visit them, or I meet them for lunch or something, or they're just talking with me in casual conversation, almost always, if they got a grandson or a granddaughter that's doing right, guess what they're talking about? The Steelers. No! Who are they talking about? Who Grandparents, who are you talking about? Your grandchildren. My son, grandson did this. My grand, you know, and you're talking, and it's like their and their head gets really big. Their pride, they're just because of their grandson. That's what Solomon's talking about here. And then notice, here's what he's saying. He gives them the children should be proud of their parents. See, it reverses it now. Grandparents are proud of their children. Children should be proud of their parents. Now, who's, who's the emphasis? Boy, well, I'm, my kid just needs to give me a little bit more respect. Is that what it's saying there? No, your, your, your kid should have something to respect. That's the point. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not an issue that your kids need to get their act together. It's an issue that you've got to get your act together. You've got to be a person that they can respect. Okay, let's close our time in prayer, and next week we'll head on to Section 3.